Hello, I'm Taj, digitally known as Tropic Vibes, the host of Nifty Business, where we highlight NFTs and explore Web 3.0 as we move from pure speculation to creating real-world value. You know, there is a difference between a fungible token and a non-fungible token. Not only that, but both can actually have art properties. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. See, NFT space is what we normally cover as far as the non-fungible size of things. But if there is a non-fungible, that also should mean that there is a fungible. Before I dive into all that, I just want to make a quick disclaimer. If you are someone that is very advanced and you know the difference between fungible and non-fungible, as much as I would love for you to listen to every single episode, I'll just save you the time and tell you exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to describe the difference using some analogies of plane tickets, train tickets, concert tickets, and different things. I'm going to just line them up so people can see the difference between a fungible token and a non-fungible token because a lot of the time, some of the... uh, Uh, commonly used examples don't really fully paint the picture because a fungible token can do a lot more than most explanations I've ever heard. But if you have that all 100% figured out and you understand all of that and you're just well-versed in all this stuff, feel free to skip, go to the next episode. I want to save you some time However, if you are someone who is just trying to make sense of all this stuff, this will be very valuable for you. And I'm going to really explain why we even use this funky word of non-fungible. So let's see what the differences are between fungible and non-fungible, how we can actually purchase them, what kind of values they have, and how they're applied in different ways. First of all, I think it's fair and safe or right, I should say, to define what fungibility means. Fungibility means that they're interchangeable, something that could be replaceable one for another and it would make no difference. And in the case of, let's say, a dollar, one U.S. dollar, it doesn't matter if it is one that you have in your wallet or one that I have in my pocket or one that we find on the street, we can purchase the same exact thing for it and it really doesn't matter. That store clerk or that vendor or whoever it is or the child that we're giving allowance to, it makes no difference to him or her where that dollar came from as long as the item is paid for or that money is received That's all that matters. So that is what fungible means, that they're interchangeable. Now, the opposite side of that is non-fungible. And that's like the space that we spend a lot of our time in with NFTs, right? Non-fungible tokens. That's what the word comes from. Because each one of them is unique. It has its own history. It has its own trail on the blockchain, if you will. When it's initially put on the blockchain for that first owner, that is called the Mint. The first wallet that it is in, that's basically registering it. The NFT, if you will, is being born onto that blockchain. And that first mint is a uh, the birth certificate. It is registered to the original owner, the original wallet. And then each sale or transfer that is tracked along the path, because the way the blockchain works, if you're not familiar with it, it is confirming with all these computers all over the world on the network that the transaction actually is authentic, that the person sending it actually owns And the person receiving it, whether they're paying for it or whatever it is, can actually receive it. They have the funds to pay for it. And it goes into that wallet and it confirms with the other net uh, the other computers on the network to say that the transaction is verified. There is no third party calling. There is no three day holes or 10 day holes or whatever is necessary. It is all instant for the most part as long as it takes for all those confirmations to be uh, sent. And in the case of, let's say, Ethereum, Bitcoin, or whatever, it could be a few minutes, or if it's on wax, or some of the proof-of-stake networks, 
it could literally be instantaneous or a matter of seconds. Now, the difference between a proof of stake and a proof of work network, I'm not really going to go into all of that, but generally speaking, just so you have an idea, there's two types of networks and a proof of stake network takes a lot less time and energy as opposed to a proof of work. A proof of work is an older model and a lot of the newer blockchains are proof of stake. And just for simplicity, just know that it takes a lot more computing power to do proof of work. So that's why it takes longer. And as far as the transactions and everything, they are more expensive. So generally speaking, that also explains why transactions on Ethereum are so expensive, because that is a proof of work network, which is the older model. We've been hearing about Ethereum 2.0, which is going to be proof of stake and all sorts of things for the longest time. When will that come? I don't know. However, right now, the most popular blockchain as far as NFT goes happens to be proof of work. And that's why you'll hear people complaining about those gas prices, which is really the cost of the transaction. And truthfully, when I say most popular, I don't even really mean by the number of transactions. I would just say the ones that's getting all the attention and making the headlines. Because as far as what's doing the most transactions, by far it is wax. But you know, when we're talking about these major projects, the board apes, crypto punks, and all those different things, generally speaking, most of those headline attention grabbing projects are going to be built on Ethereum. And that's the proof of work blockchain that I was speaking about. So in summary, that is just a crash course on blockchains. And I'm not going to go much deeper into that. And again, that's probably way over my pay grade anyways, to really dive into that. Because specifically, I really follow NFTs and how all of this stuff ties into it. But you know, if you're interested in blockchains, there are plenty of resources out there that specifically go into that and really dive into the nitty gritties. But again, like I said, that's not really my area of expertise or study. I mostly focus on the NFTs and how this stuff could be transacted and how all that works. And that is really as deep as I go into the science, if you will, and the tech of the blockchain. But going back to the whole fungible and non-fungible, a couple examples that are of fungible tokens that would be on the blockchain would be the actual tokens such as the Bitcoin, Ether, or uh, the WaxP token or any of those. Because at the end of the day, if you're selling an NFT, it does not matter which one of those tokens you receive as payment. The person who's purchasing it, on the other hand, it matters which one they're getting because a particular one might have a particular image or might have a particular benefit to it or a particular mint number. Some people, of course, are fascinated by the specific number. And I can give you an example. When I bought my Yoshi Drops, silver membership, which is a wax NFT, which is a music NFT. It's a membership, your airdrop, various NFTs related to their artist, album covers, and all sorts of things. That's very cool. It's just laughable to me now that the old record companies are releasing these record NFTs as if they are changing the world when you have projects such as Yoshi Joss, which has been literally doing this for about a year now. But the reason why I purchased that particular membership was because it was mint number 305. And at the time, Time. There were other ones that were slightly cheaper. They're all within a, a few dollars of each other, a few cents of each other. I forget exactly the price, but they're very close in, in price. However, I paid a little bit more just because I wanted that number 305. You might be wondering, what does that mean? That particular one, that was the 305th NFT made from that initial template. See, unlike a generative project where they're all one of ones, something that has uh, multiple mints from a template, it's like basically stamping out a copy of it onto the blockchain. And in this case, it was number 305, which just happens to be the area code for Miami 
And Miami happens to be my favorite football team, at least as far as universities goes, my college, University of Miami. So that is why I actually wanted mint number 305. And I was like, you know what? It's just a few cents more or a few dollars more, whatever it is here and there. It really made no difference to me. So in that case, that is the reason why I wanted that number. But otherwise... The one that has the most value is mint number one, which is the first one made from that template. That is the first one stamped out onto the blockchain. And technically speaking, or usually I should say, it should have the most value. There might be a couple exceptions. For example, when Yoshi Drops dropped the 1 million Yoshi coins, when they recall them to be uh, able to exchange for Yoshi bucks, they actually did a reversed valuation as far as the 1 millionth one actually received more Yoshi bucks than the number one mint of course whoever had the number one mint didn't trade it in anyways they want to keep it it's like a souvenir at this point it's like a legendary token so the higher the mint in that case had more value and they just wanted to do reverse and want to do something different but generally speaking when these collectibles are being made they're stamped out onto the blockchain number one is the one that carries the highest value but usually when we're speaking about these NFTs, we're talking about something with an image uh, with some sort of uniqueness, some sort of rarity or some sort of utility. And that's usually how we see these NFTs in the space at the moment. However, they're also fungible tokens with that same exact quality. And the example that I'll use for this is also on the Wax blockchain. There is a game where you can stake NFTs. It is called Our Planet. And the way this game actually works is you have certain NFTs that belong to certain collections. And the longer you stake it in the Our Planet system, you get more Ether or Aether, which is the Our Planet currency, not to be confused with Ether that is on Ethereum, or we just call it ETH. And when you're staking in an NFT, basically all that means is you're putting the NFT there just as you're driving a stake into the ground. You're putting the NFT there, you're parking it, and you're not moving it. So it is basically wrapped up in this game, if you will. And it's still yours. You can access it. You can take it back whenever you want it. But while it is there, it is just sitting there, and you are rewarded that token. And of course, that token is fungible. It does not matter which one it is. They all have the same value. There is no uh, significance as far as mint numbers or anything like that. The token just, it is what it is. It can be spent just like Bitcoin or any other thing. You're earning these points. You buy uh, the raw elements and you try to mix them and combine them to make an NFT. Those elements are actually fungible tokens. Now, fungible tokens are not on the Wax Atomic Hub, which is the main market, which is used now. You'd have to go to the simple market, which is the original market that when the uh, wax blockchain was originally launched they had that simple market and as things got more advanced and you know through the years and adding different features and there was the need to branch off to two separate markets. However, you can still go to that simple market and see fungible tokens. Now, a fungible token has an image and really on the surface, it looks just like an NFT. However, since it is fungible, it does not matter which one it is. They are interchangeable. There is no specific history. There is no specific rarity or mint number or anything like that of, of some sort of value, which makes one worth more or less or distinguishes where this one came from or whatever it is in this particular case every time one of those st are stamped out it is actually on the blockchain in the person's wallet however they're interchangeable it does not matter so when you reinvest them if you will into the game if you wanted to craft a planet or something you'd have to craft different elements of water different elements of dirt and so forth and try to put them together those building elements those are the fungible ones and 
in theory, if you uh, do have a right combination that is unique, then you receive the NFT, which is a non-fungible token. And that's what we collect in the space. Unless you're familiar with the Wax blockchain, this might seem a little strange or foreign to you. So let's just say if you are someone who came over from Solana or on Ethereum, what you're probably more used to or accustomed to as far as understanding what a fungible token is in those situations would be a mint pass. So if you have a mint pass or as they call it, a whitelist or pre-sale token or whatever it might be, it is something that is actually in your wallet that allows you access to that contract to be able to mint ahead of the rush. And really, it makes no difference which number mint pass you have or when this was uh, stamped out onto the blockchain, all those different things. Generally speaking, they're all the same. They give you that same access to early minting and beating that rush. So that, in essence, is a fungible token. Because if I have a mint pass and my friend has a mint pass and you want one, it really does not matter who you get it from. As long as you get your mint pass, they both do the same exact thing, which is allows you access to that mint. Now, this is where things start to get a little uh, dicey or hairy or whatever. It could be a little bit confusing. If you look at some of these projects or even the ones where I was saying there's different mint numbers and what have you, technically, they look exactly the same. On the surface, they are identical. But because behind the scenes, the actual blockchain, the utility of it and the history of it could be very different. And that is what makes them fungible or non-fungible, I should say, as opposed to the fungible tokens where each one of them, it does not matter. They have the same utility. They have the same use, the same value and everything. And one project that I will even uh, bring up is on Ethereum, since, you know, we spent so much time on Wax, is the Impact Theory Founders Keys. If you look at them, those images are pretty much identical. They look exactly the same for the most part. They have like slightly variations. There's different levels and so forth. But on first scroll, if you just go through that, you can't really tell them differently. It's not, say, a bored ape where some of them are crying, some of them are smoking or whatever it might be. Every single one of these little blocks with these gadgets and symbols and everything, it just looks like a little tech block or you know uh, if you're a star wars fans those you know the currency blocks that they actually send it looks like that that's what it reminds me too from a mandalorian or whatever it is that show but each of these things are actually non-fungible in the sense that although they look similar, they have different data that is attached to it. For example, they have different mints. They are, have different benefits that are attached with different ones. So let's say you were, have available three free mints, which would be coming with one of the legend, one of the legendary ones. If you claim one of them, that is going to be registered to that specific token. It doesn't go to every single one. So let's say we both get one of them. You claim yours and I don't claim mine. So that means I'm still eligible for three free mints, but you are only eligible for two. So let's say both of us list those for sale, although they were originally had the same benefits, the same everything. Now, when we list it for sale, mine is going to be worth a little bit more than yours because I still have three to claim, whereas you've already claimed one of them and it's down to two. And that is registered on the specific token. So in this case, this would be like uh, going to a train station and you get your train ticket. Let's say you're going uh, from New York City and you're going to Pleasantville. When you're going to Pleasantville, there is a stop. You have to transfer trains at White Plains. So the conductor will actually make a punch in the hole of that ticket now saying that it was half used for that leg so when you get onto the second train you show the conductor that ticket 
and they collect it at that point and they already see that it was already used for half of the leg. Hopefully that is making some sense. So let's say for whatever reason you end up back in Grand Central in New York City and you want to take that train ride all the way up again. Well, it can't bring you all the way there. It can only be a partial trip. And you might think this is weird. Who would ever do that? And I can tell you as someone who used to take the train two hours uh, into New York City for my senior year of college, that is what I was doing. There was different uh, stations, there was transfers and all sorts of different things, depending on which day you took it or what time you took it. And if you used halfway, <laughs> you could actually redeem it and use a halfway trip. So sometimes we would actually stop, we would go to a, a different place, get off in White Plains, hang out and then get back to the station and then use that other half at a later date. And that's perfectly fine. It's perfectly legal because you're paying for that full length. So although those tickets started off exactly the same, they were identical, the full length that is redeemable opposed to the one that was not used or only partially used with the partial punch. So bring it back to the NFTs, impact theories, each individual NFT is sort of like those train tickets. So as they're being used, it's like getting uh, those hole punches depending on what they're claiming. And that's not the only project, but that's just the one that I saw that really caught my eye. And as far as I know, that was the one that uh, was the first one that I personally saw. I don't know if they're the first to do it, but they're the ones that I saw first. So if you want a different analogy as to the difference between a fungible token and a non-fungible token is the difference between a movie ticket and a sports ticket. See, a movie ticket, when you go to that theater, it does not matter. That same ticket, everyone paid exactly the same price and they can sit anywhere they want. So it doesn't matter if you're in the front row, the back row, the middle row, or whatever it is. You know, unless it's some sort of uh, luxury, high-end, one of those uh, experiential theaters, which I've never been to. But generally speaking, <laughs> the normal theaters, it does not matter. Everyone pays the same, they have one general ticket, and they go in, sit wherever they want. So that would be a fungible token, a fungible ticket. Each one is exactly the same. Now, a sports ticket all has the seat numbers and all sorts of different things. So each one is not interchangeable. You cannot just sit anywhere you want. You have to sit in a specific spot, sort of like a plane ticket or a concert ticket. And, you know, it's all about the rows, the sections and all those different things because different people will pay more for a better seat. Therefore, that is a non-fungible token. So you're sitting front and center at a concert. It's going to sell a lot more than sitting on the back wall. The 50-yard line of a football game is going to sell more than all the other seatings. So I think pretty much I covered all the bases. You should be able to understand the difference between fungible and non-fungible. And as far as this whole NFT space and the fungible tokens goes, they all have their utility. So it really depends as to what the particular application is, whether or not the history and the uniqueness and all those values and data has to be tracked. Because in the case of our planet with those fungible tokens, it really doesn't matter because you're trying to build a final product. And what gets spit out at the end is actually the non-fungible token, which has the unique identifiers and the traits that actually matter. But as far as building it and putting it in and all those different things, in that particular case, in that game, it does not matter. So hopefully I could covered all of this in a way that you can actually relate to it and understand why we're using the term non-fungible tokens because I know a lot of people just know it as NFTs don't really understand why we use that term or where that term comes from. To be honest, I actually hate the term. I mean, I think it's just not very descriptive or helpful in sense of general 
English that we actually use in speaking. So I don't think it really helps the people to adopt and come into the space because it just sounds like a funky, funny word that we just don't use. So I like to use something like a verified digital or a digital collectible or something, a real asset or something like that. You know, um, I think that term is going to change over time. But right now, that is what we're using, non-fungible token NFTs. It is what it is. We'll live with it. But it's also to differentiate between the fungible tokens, which a lot of people don't even know necessarily exist. A lot of the analogies and examples people use as far as what is a fungible token happens to be those coins, the Bitcoin, Ethereum, WaxP, Solana, or whatever it might be. But even with art and everything that is on the blockchain that is usable, has utility, some of those are 100% fungible tokens. So, Hopefully, that was very helpful. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at Tropic Vibes. Thank you for listening, and I will see you in the next one. Later. The Nifty Business Show is not investment advice. It provides insights and information within the space. As with anything, please do your own research before making a decision whether you're making an investment or a purchase.